this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Everybody, welcome to the Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Robin Brownlee. How you doing, Robin? I'm outstanding, man. Looking forward to this one today. We're going to talk about the BC Lions and their new incoming president, Dwayne Vigneault. He'll be joining us on this podcast. But first things first, let's check in with our friend Darren Millard, who's the host of the Las Vegas Golden Knight Hockey Broadcasts on AT&T Sportsnet. And also, he's got a podcast going. We'll chat with him about that. It's called The Chirp. Darren, where are you? You're in Prince Edward Island right now, Darren? I am. I'm looking uh, to the about 11 o'clock for me right now is the Confederation Bridge. And uh, at about 6 o'clock for me, uh, maybe about 4 o'clock, is Doug McClain. He's not in the room right now, but he, he lives over there. So is uh, he? So yeah, just hanging out in Prince Edward Island. Is he the reason? Where we have a place. Is he? I was. Is he the reason why all of a sudden the love for PEI? Because you you're still also a Prairie kid. I am. Uh, we, my wife and I, uh, she's from Hamilton and I was living, we were all living in Toronto. We came to visit Doug and Jill about oh, 12 years ago and fell in love with it over the course of a weekend and, uh, and invested uh, in, in a property here and built our, our retirement home. Now, it felt like a long way from retirement then. It feels really close to retirement now. <laughs> I can tell you that. That'll happen. Yeah, that'll happen. I, I hear you. Yeah. So, so let's, let's back yeah. things up a little bit here. I've been through I, a couple of retirements. Yeah, well, it's the media business. What can I tell you? But, okay, so let's, let's back things up. Uh, yeah. you, you start at Global in Winnipeg after some fun times at Western Academy of Broadcasting in Saskatoon. You're from Brandon. ITV, where we got to know you in Edmonton. Then you move over to Sportsnet in 1999 and eventually find your way to Las Vegas. And you're now obviously the, the host, the go-to guy there on the intermissions on the AT&T Sportsnet network. But let's uh, let's back things up a little bit here. What made you want to get into broadcasting? Uh, I, I wasn't a very good player. Uh, that, that's first and foremost. And I still wanted to be, to be around the rink. Uh, so, uh, actually I got hurt. Uh, I was trying to play junior A hockey and I got hurt and I, I did color for our radio guy, Steve Adamski way back when at CKDM and Dauphin and I had a, I had a blast doing it. And I enjoyed uh, the free popcorn and uh, being around uh, my teammates, but also didn't have the pressure of having to let down my teammates. So uh, that part of it was fun, and you got to talk uh, a little bit about the sport. So when I went back to Brandon, uh, I kind of continued along that path and and uh, got some great mentorship from somebody named um, Rick Dillable at, uh, at oh, a yeah. place called CKLQ, which I eventually worked uh, uh, with Drager and, uh, and just fell in love with it. I, I, I've always been stats-driven, had always been that way. It took me a long time to deliver the papers because uh, on Tuesdays because the NHL stats would come out. Uh, so I, uh, I've always been along that line, and and I've been able to do my uh, hobby as a career uh, for for the last uh, thirty plus years. Now, 
you, you're not an old guy yet, Darren, but you just dated yourself a little bit. There's kids out there who are going to be going stats in the newspapers. Stats. Yes, I know. <laughs> What's the? I know. Waiting for the waiting for the agate page in the newspapers. Uh, that doesn't. Now you just click on the phone and there's your stats, right? <laughs> like you don't have to wait for the uh, the weekly goals against uh, numbers to come out every Tuesday, uh, which I yeah. believe uh, those were uh, in the in the Brandon Sun and uh, the full complement of stats, whether goals and assists and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that all came out. Uh, now now it is, it is a click of the button. We're we're very uh, we're very spoiled to the point where I sit here and I'm going through uh, salary cap. Uh, research uh, over the course of the last couple of days. And I'm like, yep. do I really need to be doing this? But you kind of do have to be doing it way back when it was a much simpler time. Okay. So the, the global and ITV thing in Winnipeg and Edmonton, that gave yeah. you an opportunity to jump to Sportsnet. That's uh that's a great jump for you. And uh, t- tell us a little bit about the Sportsnet experience. Cause you moved up beautifully there. Yeah, it was, first of all, uh, like ITV in, in Edmonton, global. Uh, I was actually, I wasn't there for a long time, but I was there during the switchover between ITV and, uh, to global. Uh, but uh, that that was a great time uh, in my life. I loved it. Uh, and uh, with Linda, uh, uh, Steele was uh, was amazing. The, uh, the the team that we had around there was was awesome. Uh, and I, I would have been very comfortable to, to spend my entire life in Edmonton had this Sportsnet opportunity not come along, and that was just something that you couldn't say no to. A, an upstart uh, network, and and I'll I'll be honest, like I didn't know that we weren't supposed to work. Like when I went to Edmonton or in Edmonton and got the opportunity in Toronto, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to be uh, here forever. Uh, and then I found out about uh, six, seven years later that Sportsnet was never really supposed to work. TSN people all thought it was a flash in the pan. And would be gone. So uh, I'm glad I didn't know that then, because it would have been a lot more stressful. Uh, but I got to uh, to to hook back up with Dregs and and work with uh, get to know uh, John Garrett and the Kiprios and and uh, some amazing Kevin Quinn uh, was my uh, my anchor partner. And it was it was awesome. I, I got to do so many different things from tennis to golf to to all the hockey that I I got to cover uh, curling. Uh, uh, I, I I was very fortunate that uh, that they trusted me to uh, handle a lot of different assignments in uh, in a very short period of time. You know, it's interesting, Darren. I was telling Bryn earlier uh, this morning. I remember interviewing Vic Router in about 1983, 84, when TSN was starting. And the other people in town were a bit pissed that I had the exclusive interview with them. And some of the questions later were, well, how do we even know it's going to be around two years from now? Well, yeah, yeah it's, uh, you know what, if you don't, if you don't try, uh, it doesn't go anywhere. So getting in, relatively speaking, on the ground floor uh, of things that had to be a real exciting time. Well, you you got to do and uh, and try a lot of different things. Yeah. Our, our sports cast, uh, Robin. Uh, then we we do four of them a night. Uh, one for the east, uh, one for Ontario, one for the west, uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and then BC. So by the by the time you get to Alberta, which is your third one, uh, you're, you're trying you're you're changing things up. You're you're entertaining yourself as much as anybody else. So you try a bunch of different things, which helps you as a broadcaster. Now uh, that said, we we got ourselves into trouble. Uh, 
lot of the odd time uh, trying to do some of that stuff, but but it was uh, an ability to to spread your wings uh, a, a little bit and and go along a different path. Like not everything we did worked by any means, but no. uh, but boy oh boy was it uh, an opportunity to just try fail and uh, and get yourself back up because you had another show in another half hour. You did some Olympic stuff too. How was that? Yeah. Uh, that was, uh, amazing. I, like I've done Olympics in, in every different facet and, and part of this conversation, we, we've been through that, uh, that experience and there's challenges in Olympic games, but the first one I did was 2002, uh, in Salt Lake city where I was a non-rights holder and, uh, we, you're on the other side of the fence, uh, Elliot Friedman and I were, he worked at the score. I worked at Sportsnet, and, and you waited for people to come to you to book appointments uh, or go to Canada house, uh, and, and talk to Jamie Slay and David Pelche or, or, or Wayne Gretzky or, uh, uh, Jerome Ginla, uh, at a movie theater across the street from the hockey rink, because you couldn't get into the game unless you bought a ticket. Right. Uh, and so there, there was that part of it. Then I did, uh, I was a rights holder in, in London and Vancouver. And then I'd work for the games themselves in, in Tokyo, uh, in, in, uh, the, uh, the production side of it. So I've, I've done all different aspects of it. Uh, uh, being a rights holder, I will say is the best part about it because, uh, you do usually one sport and, uh, and you can, uh, sink your teeth into that. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's so cool. I always wanted to do one just they have a sweater or a tracksuit. I just wanted to do one and being able to do four of them was, um, has been awesome. And I still want to do a couple more, uh, hopefully before, uh, before I'm done. My boss in, in Tokyo was a guy from Brandon as well. Uh, so, uh, that was, that was kind of neat. So I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I've hit, hooked, hooked my wagon to Drager for a while and now I'm going to go on with Trevor Pilling. There is a definite you know, Brandon connection though here. We'll get to it in a second. Go ahead, Robin. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think I might be stealing your second Brent. I was okay. going to say, from Darren going from the Keystone Center to uh, Vegas is a is a pretty big leap, uh, but you're not the only guy to make that no. leap. Uh, the situation there has got to be uh, fun and interesting, and and really uh, just a neat thing given the relationship that you have with some of the people that are running that Vegas show. Well, at the, at the very top is Kelly McCrimmon, who I've known forever uh, yeah. since uh, before he was an owner of the Brandon Week Kings and then yeah. the coach and the general manager. And we were in fantasy football leagues uh, uh, together and we knew each other as uh, as friends and uh, and uh, somebody that was covering his hockey club and uh, and now uh, work alongside him uh, is is such a, a cool thing. I don't see Kelly as much as, uh, as I'd like uh, because he's got a slightly more impactful job than I do on a day day basis with the team as the general manager but it's it's not just uh kelly it's amazing uh, our director of amateur scouting is bob lowes who coached the random weekings when when i covered the team and uh, i just had breakfast with him in, in vegas and we were looking at each other going we're in a, a casino uh, in vegas uh, two prairie guys going what what's going on here he's getting ready for the draft and and i'm uh, i'm covering the national hockey league so there's that there's um uh, zach white cloud from brandon uh keegan cola starts a matter mark stone Owns a Manitoba and played for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, it, it goes so deep. Uh, Ryan Craig was a, a captain uh, of the Brandon Wheat Kings and played for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, he's one of our assistant coaches. There's, uh, I counted out one day, uh, there was three sets of Manitoba plates in our parking lot. Uh, Shane Nadi is uh, our analyst. Uh, he's from Nipawa, uh, Manitoba, just outside of Brandon. He was born in Brandon. So it's, it, it's, it's really cool to have that feel. We don't talk Brandon all the time, but it's neat to have that, that connection. 
I'm not going to lie to you. But when Keegan pulls out and his plates are, are, are Manitoba, uh, uh, my heart bulges a little bit. So when you go from the sports end situation to, uh, to Las Vegas, that's a yeah. sizable jump for a Canadian kid from Brandon. How was that for you? You know what? Uh, I, I will say this. Uh, having been, you guys have been to the United States a thousand times. You go across the border, it's the same country, but you go across the border. Right. Like, nothing really changes. When you live in the United States and move there, it's very different. So it was a it was a challenge. Thank goodness we have amazing people at the Vegas Golden Knights to help you through uh, the immigration and and turning uh, your driver's license and everything like it's it's that it's a workload um you have no credit history like you go from a credit card in canada to a credit card in the united states where you get a 1500 limit uh it's like you're 16 again uh or 17 i don't know when you guys get to your credit card but uh uh, uh so it, it 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 was a challenge but the the actual work part uh which is amazing uh i, I love i i can't i've always wanted my wife worked for the toronto maple Leafs for 15 years and, uh, and we've always talked about working for a team uh, at some point in, in my career. And I love it, being invested and being able to have somebody to cheer for and not just going home and getting ready for your next game next Wednesday uh, is, is awesome. I, I, absolutely, I get to be a, a pseudo fan and, and a broadcaster all at the same time. It's awesome. I, and you live in Las Vegas, uh, which is not that hard thing to get used to. You know, it's interesting, Darren, I was, I think I've probably been to Vegas 50 or 60 times, not because I'm a big gambler, but uh, having uh, covered the boxing beat uh, yeah. for a long time and also Triple uh, uh, A with the Trappers and the Las Vegas Stars, um, I thought it's really cool when they got the team. But at the same time, I was thinking, is this a transient city still where – you're not going to have that base where it's going to fly. Once the initial novelty wears off, uh, is it going to fly in Vegas? And it's not the initial novelty four years in. It seems to be doing just fine. What's your take from the inside? Well, it's far more of a local team than you would ever expect from the outside. Uh, that uh, is is a it slaps you over the uh, the side of the head uh, when you walk in the the driver's licenses the t-shirts the it, it's like the team's been around for 25 years uh, quite honestly I came here in year number three so I've been uh, in in Vegas for the last three years it's it was an instant bond and it uh, they they do a promotion or one of those scoreboard things in the in the third period and the loudest cheer is uh, they they flash and like if you're a tourist uh, cheer. And there's some cheers. And then for locals, cheer. And the place erupts. Like, it, it is absolutely uh, a Vegas team. And you get your, when Chicago's in town or Calgary or Edmonton are on a swing, you'll get people coming down uh, for, for a weekend and some uh, certainly a presence there. But uh, by and large, like, every crowd is uh, very much uh, sporting the Vegas Golden Knights. And if you haven't been to a game, honestly, it's a nightclub. And then the, when the hockey starts, it goes into a hockey game. And then the play stops, it turns into a nightclub. It's one of the craziest, coolest things I've ever seen. Uh, when you just, I, even now, three years in, I'll still look around the rink going, Am I really, is this really happening right now? Huh. Hey, uh, th- when you take a look at the experience in, in Las Vegas with this hockey club, you were first, you beat the Raiders to the punch. 
It just seems yeah. like there's a little bit more, as, as big as football is in the U.S., you guys were first in there. Oh, yeah. And you were able to kind of find your way into their hearts first because a lot of places, a lot of leagues didn't want to come there. The National Hockey League came there with a great deal of excitement yeah. for every reason. Do you find that bond is is really amazing? Well, uh, yeah, because hockey was the first professional sports team. So that, that was their first real team. Yeah. Now I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that, uh, that uh, there was no uh, doubts uh, uh, going into it. There was plenty of people that thought that, uh, that, that it wouldn't work. Professional sports wouldn't work. There's too many distractions. The, uh, uh, the, the seedy side of Sin City or would, would, would grab a hold of athletes. Like, there is there there was that uh, uh, discussion uh, in different circles, but uh, it hasn't it hasn't been uh, a part of it at least on the hockey side of it. And the one October that tragedy helped the the Golden Knights uh, and their uh, bond with the with the city yeah. uh, certainly helped out uh, too. And you know I'll just say one other thing: the the Vegas Golden Knights are unique. The the Las Vegas rate like that's a team that came from somewhere else and kept its name and just put Las Vegas in the front of it. Yeah. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights are truly Vegas uh, born and bred. And there's a hashtag, Vegas born, and uh, it, that, that will never end. The, the other thing, too, let's talk about a new head coach coming on board. Yes. Uh, Love Bruce, him. Bruce Cassidy, one of my favorite lines so far this year, that he was out of work for four days. He just said he was getting bored of being yeah. out of work for four days. But... How's he going to fit in with this organization and with the team? And how much is the team going to change over the offseason? Well, that's a, a really good question. One that I probably can't answer uh, to, to the fullest extent that, that I'd like to for you. Uh, but uh, uh, like Pete DeBoer, uh, I, I love Pete and, uh, and everything that how he structures it and can't wait for him to, uh, uh, to grab hold of that, uh, that Dallas Stars team. Uh, Butch is different. Bruce Cassidy is different. He probably uh, is, uh, has a harder uh, edge to him. Uh, I, I think there's, there's there's uh, less rope uh, probably with with Bruce and, and the way he coaches teams, uh, so uh, I think that uh, that there'll be that aspect to it. Uh, uh, Pete uh, let uh, let the veterans uh, handle things uh, a little bit more. And and to be quite honest, Pete had the craziest two and a half years that you can imagine right during the pan pandemic and, oh, yeah. and everything. So I don't know whether he ever got to be fully into a groove uh, by any things, uh, any means. But uh, but Butch. Uh, I, I think uh, Bruce will certainly have a, a little bit uh, shorter rope uh, with him. Like, guys, the break for the Colorado Avalanche between the third round and the Stanley Cup final was longer than Bruce Cassidy was out of work. Yeah. that That's the amazing part. And I, I, I mention that because I'm jealous of him. <laughs> hey, um, you mentioned uh... – uh, you know, you mentioned the, the, the cup in Colorado. They're, they're an unbelievable team, but oh. you spent some, you, you spent some time here um, for the first time in a long time. Um, and it took a young coach in Jay Woodcroft to accomplish it. Uh, this Edmonton Oilers team with two of arguably the best players on the planet on it finally made some noise. And of course it took the avalanche to take them out of things. There's quite a buzz here in Edmonton. What do you think when you look at this team in your old stomping grounds? 
Uh, I, I like it. I, I and I'm I'm a guy that uh, that is a big Mike Smith fan. I know uh, that there's a lot of noise around goaltending in Edmonton. Uh, I certainly hear that uh, uh, yeah. loud and clear. And I'm curious uh, which direction they're going to go on that, and which direction Mike uh, is going to go at. Uh, I, quite frankly, I just think he got worn out playing every second day for for that uh, run, uh, and and that uh, that caught up to him. But uh, I think I think there's so much to be positive about what what they've done. And all kind of game team together. The Zach Hyman acquisition uh, uh, over the last couple of years uh, has been has been great and added uh, some some depth to it. And what they've been able to do with their back end and be uh, more dynamic. You're watching that with the Colorado uh, defense and the and certainly the the Tampa Bay blue line. Well, what they've been able to do that you don't have to be defend 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 that you can you can push the pace and 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 try to to win a game 5-4 5-3 uh, i love that style i mean there's fundamentals uh, certainly and jay uh, has that but uh, i'm i'm really excited to see what they can do now what what happens with with uh, Kane, uh, what happens uh, uh, with a couple of other uh, players that uh, that they certainly need to address? Uh, that's going to be interesting. You see uh, as well. Uh, well. We'll watch and see. But uh, I, I like the direction that the Oilers are going, which kind of reflects the way the league is going right now. I've got I've got to ask this, and and uh, I think Bryn actually mentioned this him to me before I gave him much thought because I haven't seen him, but I just realized watching that cup final, how I'm trying to think of another defenseman who's come into the league and gone from raw rookie to yeah. what I think is the best defenseman in the league in as short a time as Kale McCarr's done it. Do you recall anybody? No, not, not with that type of, uh, uh, success. Uh, I was going through it uh, this morning, and being being the Calder Trophy and the uh, the Norris Trophy and the Conn Smythe Trophy, and then a Stanley Cup championship, and uh, going through all of this in 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 four years, uh, making your Stanley Cup uh, playoff debut, and, and and being able to score a goal. Uh, I will say that the the Oilers series didn't last nearly as long as I was hoping it, mm-hmm. but may have done the most in my mind, to make Kale McCarr or consider Kale McCarr a complete defenseman. You guys remember that play where Connor had a step on everybody yeah. and and then Kale tries to track him down and knocks the puck away. And, and from a defending aspect, uh, that just, I can't uh, get that out of my mind. And it just makes Kale McCarr completes the whole package of Kale McCarr from uh, an offensive guy to a 200 foot guy, which is, yeah. I know weird to say, cause he's a defenseman. Uh, it, it's extraordinary. What, and, and think about that draft guys, Colorado is the worst team in the national hockey league. Uh, that year, they they didn't win the lottery, and and they got ripped off by by the odds uh, in in that, and 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 we had to be really feeling sorry for themselves. And then Heisher and Patrick uh, and uh, Heiskanen go, and they fall to fourth, and they get Kale McCarr. If if they win the lottery, they probably they don't probably take don't him. take. Kale McCarr. Yeah. Uh, even though in retrospect, you, you see that that you would, but you don't get the, the biggest break in the franchise right now in the Stanley Cup was probably losing that draft lottery and falling to four. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Nathan McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon just, you know, hoisting the cup, you're very excited. He just seemed to yeah. be almost so satisfied because. He had taken such a beating for the last few years about why can't you get over the hump? Why can't you get over the hump? And he just seemed like he was numb. 
uh, watching that game. It was just great to watch how uh, how he responded to it, and you can see the satisfaction on his face. Did you see that? Oh, absolutely. And and I watched it firsthand a year ago uh, when they yeah. were up 2 nothing on Vegas and lost four in a row. And the incredible emotion that came out of him if, after that series. And I wondered uh, out loud whether uh, they would make a change at coach. And it's, a, it's another one of those ones where uh, we've seen Jay Woodcroft comes in and, and ignites Edmonton. But there's also the other side where you can, if you're patient, uh, maybe that, that move you don't make is, is the best one. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy for that but i i think for for nathan he's just a he's a kid he's never stopped being a kid in a lot of our eyes and he he loves the game as a kid so you appreciate that from that aspect and he he, he doesn't have to do those tim horton commercials with sid and have sid <laughs> beacon off camera about not having a ring anymore yeah. i think that's really important too that's that might be the biggest thing for for nate is not have to listen to sid talk about all of his rings now he's got one himself and how about nazim kadri uh just basically shoving it up the ass of the toronto maple leaf fans uh with his little comment after about the i just thought wow you want to talk about a mic drop yeah Yeah, uh, uh, look i didn't like it i'm not a stick in the mud yeah by any means but uh i didn't like it because Naz, quite honestly, there's a reason why people said that. Yeah, and it wasn't a one-off. Yeah, it was a two. It was a three, and it was with two different teams. So yeah, you won, and you had a great year, and it it turned out well for you. But this idea that everybody was wrong and you, and you persevered and came out on the right side of it is, is a little bit muddy, uh, a little bit cloudy. And uh, that uh, I'm, I'm happy for him, but like he, the, the doubts were there for a reason and they were well earned by, by him. And I thought it was a, a bit of a, a cheap shot by him. Uh, 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 he, it sort of happened too with the Jordan Bennington live interview. I don't know whether you guys saw yeah. that. Oh, when yeah, Bennington yeah. was accused and, and then uh, admitted they threw the, the little water bottle at him. Like, take, take the high road once in a while and people will like you a lot a more. more. That's that's just my opinion. And I know Naz, I've, I've been around Naz a long time and I like him. He's been on my uh, podcast. I, but just every now and then, you don't have to be the center of attention. As Todd Marshall uh, once called guys like that, they're opera singers. And I went, what? Yeah. He goes, me, yeah. me, 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 me. But I, I, yeah, I I'm with, I'm with you. I, I you know what? I'm sorry. You can't in one way. Yeah. Okay. He, shot, he shoots his mouth off people. It makes for a good clip, but I, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on it, Darren. There's a there's a reason. Anybody who's watched the guy play That's hockey sense. and been around the guy, they, they they understand. One last one for me, Darren. Different dynamic in Vegas than this. Often expansion, new teams, relocated teams, whatever. When you're new, you're new, and it takes a while to find any success at all. Right. Vegas has missed that dry patch at the start of their existence. Yeah. yeah, they have a great party down there in the rink, and they have a lot of entertainment, but they've also uh, had a good hockey club that's won some games and were 
closer than anybody ever as an expansion team to having the ultimate success. So what do you do next to keep the ball rolling? You win it all. That, that's that's what uh, owner Bill Foley's talked about is he wants to win it all and and get to the the top of the mountain and have that parade down the strip and and uh, uh, what a sight that would be uh, I'd be lying if uh, in getting to back-to-back conference finals uh, that thought process uh, hadn't entered my mind but yeah. that's exactly what the what the goal uh, of this team is and it's one of the coolest things about working uh uh, for the hockey club uh, and covering them on a daily basis is is they want to win. Now, I will uh, acknowledge missing the playoffs for the first time wasn't uh, part of, of that plan, but the way they missed the playoffs, it wasn't like a, a terrible year performance-wise, and you're looking at me going, what do you mean by that? But they had so many injuries. It wasn't because everybody flopped at the same time yeah. and they missed because of uh, underperforming. They had so many injuries so uh, the the fan base and everybody else has has gone through that once but didn't have to go through the misery of what people in in Edmonton or uh, different uh, Calgary or uh, places have gone through uh, where you've had to reload and, and, and get back going again. So uh, I, I think that they've, they now probably appreciate it. Uh, I certainly do appreciate it a lot more and then they can run it back next year. And I expect them uh, from uh, some of the uh, little drops that, uh, that we're hearing about the roster, they're going to run it back next year. And I think that uh, that's going to add to the enthusiasm a, a little bit more. Hey, uh, just looking at you right now, you're looking great. Uh, There was a time, though, this past season (laughs) when I was watching your broadcasts and you look like a raccoon with the two black eyes because of an accident. What happened? Because we're all worried about you, man. What happened? Well, short answer, I don't know. Totally. Yeah. So I, 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 I like the bike. I, I do like the bike and I, and I or road bike and you go in Vegas is a perfect time a place for it. Cause you can do it 12 months a year, but I was actually going to, uh, to the practice rink where we have a studio there and I do a, a, our daily radio show, uh, on our Fox affiliate and, uh, something happened in between, but I woke up in the hospital and apparently, I don't know whether I got hit or I hit a rock or, or what have you, but, uh, but, um, the, I like to say the helmet saved me, but doesn't look like the helmet got a lot of it because my face took up the wow. brunt of it. And, and I went over. Yeah. Uh, I will give my boss uh, full accolades. Uh, he let me come back. I missed four games. Uh, the first game, uh, I had stitches, black eyes, everything. Uh, the second game, I don't remember a lot of that one either, okay. uh, but he let me, uh, he let me come back. Uh, I'm healed and everything, but it, it could have been, my wife says it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot better uh, somewhere in the middle. And I got a good, uh, got a lot of exposure to the U.S. healthcare system. I, uh, so that was, that, there, that was good too. Was there concussion protocol on that or was this a lower oh, body yeah. injury? It was, it was full upper body. It okay. didn't take a lot to, uh, to, to know that. And uh, I, and we all like to do research. Uh, certainly uh, Robin leads away uh, on that. Uh, I now know what people feel when they have a concussion. I, I don't have to wonder about that at all. And uh, uh, I have full respect. I wish I could go back in time. I'd said to Kipper, now I understand uh, Kiprios. Now I understand what you went through all those times when, when you weren't listening to me, it wasn't just you, you were just fading out, man. And the podcast, <laughs> let's touch on that quickly here. 
The Chirp. Uh, yeah, it's the Chirp Chirp podcast. Uh, it's with the National Hockey League and uh, Bob Bender's our, our producer. He's great. And uh, we just, it's uh, some of us topical. The the interviews, it's like this. We, we cover a little bit of hockey. We cover a little bit of life. It, uh, I never know where the interviews are going to go. And I'm. Uh, it, it allows me to, I work for the Vegas Golden Knights, but allows me to keep my foot in, on the national side of it and covering the league. So that uh, it's, it's a huge blessing for me. And uh, we in the podcast uh, community, uh, guys, you know it. Uh, we lean on each other, and uh, and we're all trying to do our thing. And there's so many incredible productions uh, out there. Like you, you guys have an like uh, a Rolodex. Uh, if people remember what a Rolodex was yeah. uh, 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 of, of guests that you can lean on. And uh, and there's so many great stories out there. So I'm just uh, happy to be a part of your community. Well, uh, travel safely. Thanks for your time today. We'll do this again during the season. Okay. I want to know what uh, Brownlee's uh, picture is behind him. I know people can't I, see it, yeah. but I want to know what that is. Yeah, what is that? It's my. It's sort of my brain exploding as we talk. Uh. Okay, it's <laughs> actually does look like that. It, it, you know what? It's the, it's the one piece of art that doesn't fit the house. It's black and silver. I'm not an Oakland Raiders fan, but uh, yeah, it's 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 from a it's from a house a couple things ago when the when it was a black and white uh, decorating theme and it's just made its way into into our our new house but well, yeah i can't bachelor day can't, photo is what it is it just i it, can't bring my well look at the thing over the fruit salad well, a, behind you yeah he's got a psychedelic uh picture is that your tv that, that you got Every, the screensaver Peter Lombardi on? always says it's just i get very dizzy with my vertigo or and uh, you know it's just uh, it's i think it's a your basic windows screensaver Cannabis is legal on the big now. screen and behind yeah. me so Hey, listen. Thank, thanks very Lombardius much. could Lombardius could turn that. Uh, he could turn that into some kind of hockey Canada storyline. Oh, I, I guarantee you, Lombardius could look at that and go, uh, "There's number product. twenty-seven, and he passed a five. Yeah, a fine product <laughs> out of Manitoba in Brandon. I've got some fond memories there. I don't want to. Hey, by, hey, by the way, I'm glad you gave Rick Dillabo a, a big plug because he just he stepped away finally from his work with the Brandon Wheat Kings, and he was he did color for me. When I was doing Moose Jaw Warrior games, I, I who's really just, yeah he was I mean he's Mr. Brandon that's how I view Rick. He's Dillable. awesome. So and yeah he's 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 one of the best uh, yeah. and uh, a great play by play guy too. Yes, uh, who is just comfortable uh, living in Brandon, but he can uh, like you think about uh, the opportunities now uh, that you can go. Uh, it's awesome. But Lombardius, the only guy I've ever worked with ever who would do highlights without a script. He knew every league. He knew every player, and he would just do play-by-play play of, of the highlights. I've I've never understood how he did it. Uh, a freak of nature, massively talented. Love the man. Oh, That's funny yeah. too. Man. And the last thing for me, Brand the Brandon connection. I I used to the trip out to the Keystone from Kamloops was a long. Oh. The last game, the last Blazer game I ever did before coming to the Edmonton Journal was the Blazers and the Wheat Kings. And it was Paul Cruz and Ooh. Jeff Odgers oh. beating the shit out of each <laughs> other in a face punching contest at center ice. It was unbelievable. Turned out to be the last one. So that's how I, it's a different name now, but that's how I remember the Keystone. Yeah. I still call it the Keystone Center and yeah. uh, people correct me all, all the time. Augie and I went to high school together uh, with Kevin Cheveldayoff. <laughs> Kevin Cheveldayoff got me through grade 12 math uh, because I copied off him uh, all the time. But <laughs> nice. Augie was one tough 
son of a gun. Thanks for your time. We'll give Peter the last say on this one, but uh, you'll have to listen to hear what he's going to say. But it, it's uh, it's typical, Peter. Uh, thanks, Darren. This say, has been a blast, man. You guys are awesome. Love it. Can you believe what we just saw? The British Columbia Lions made a big announcement this past week, and that is Rick Lalisher, who we all know in the Edmonton area, has been around here forever, has been looking after things with the BC Lions as their president, but decided that it was time to retire again. It just seems like he always finds these new gigs that are exciting and fun, and he takes them on, does a great job, and then he hands them off to somebody else who's great and and is growing. And Dwayne Vigneault joins us on the podcast today, who will be the COO of the BC Lions to start coming up in August, and then he will eventually move into the president's role, but he joins us on the podcast today. How you doing? Very good, Bryn. How are you doing? Fine, thank you. Well, how exciting hi, is Robin. this? Wow. I, I got to say hi to Robin too, Bryn. Yes, I hear that. <laughs> and that's exciting. So uh, when did you, when did this kind of come your way, man? It sort of has happened quickly. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, and everyone knows locally, I've worked with Rick uh, for a lot of years in different capacities. And and um, uh, it's we figured it out the other day. It's been over 30 years since the first time we worked on something together. So uh, that's a long time. And, um, you know, just there, some conversations started and uh, and here you go. But it's 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 when it, we first started talking, it, it didn't take long to to get to where we are today. Now, what about this particular uh, challenge doing appeals to you so much because you're up to your eyeballs already in in uh, the CFL. Your association goes back a long ways now. Is this just a new chapter for you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been around the league uh, a long time in different capacities and I've worked at the team level. I've, you know, ran a few Grey Cups from the host festival committee level my current role with the CFL. And so I, I know the league very, very well. And, and um, um, you know, I just, I, I look at everything I've been through in the many, many years and the different projects I've worked on. And, and I, I just always gravitate back to the CFL and I love it so much. And, and when this opportunity came up to, to become the, ultimately become the president of the BC Lions, it's something that you just can't, uh, you, you know, I said to Randy Ambrosi when I t told him that I was leaving, who is obviously the commissioner of the league, I said, I love my job, Randy. Like, I've got the best job in the world, but there's only one job that would take me out of here, and that's this one. And and I'm just very excited about it. I, I, I think there's um, there's a new owner who's very energetic, enthusiastic. Um, the, the team's playing well. And it's just there's just something going on there that I, I believe that is is exciting. And I and I believe I have the right skills and um, to, to take it and help steward it to the next level. You also have the ability to pick Rick's brain over the next six months as you ease your way in. That's got to be very comforting. Absolutely. You know, the the, the you know, Amar and Rick have put together a a transition plan, which is perfect. You know, Rick's um, going to be around till the end of December. And it also helps from the CFL perspective, because it gives me the ability as well to then transition from the CFL side. Because again, we don't want anything to, to sort of fall through the cracks there. So it, it was a very conscious effort to make sure that the CFL and the BC Lions both have a very, very good transition plan. Now, 
Dwayne, uh, Vancouver is my hometown, so I know all about it. Um, not your hometown, but you've been out in, as a visitor. You're going to be out there as a resident soon enough. Uh, talk about moving to uh, the left coast. It's going to be a little bit different for somebody like you. Yeah, you know, I, I I've never lived anywhere outside of Edmonton for um, forever, ever, and and um, I've been traveling a lot lately. So I've been across this country a lot, and um, but Vancouver is just such a beautiful, beautiful place, and the, the people are friendly, and um, uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm really looking forward to it. Like from a personal perspective, it's it's a great opportunity to go and 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 embrace into the community. That's the number one goal for me. Is I as you guys both know, for being from Edmonton, I um, I ha- have a very strong network in this marketplace, and and I want to go and build a very very strong network in, in in the Vancouver and Greater Vancouver area. And I'm excited about it. My family's excited about it, and it's a great opportunity for us. Great city, but sure, can you get a latte? I'm sure you'll be able to manage that. You'll you'll figure that out. <laughs> hey, you know what? Taking a look at, at your track record and looking at your resume. So 2005 to 2009, President Edmonton Rush. So lacrosse team, check. Uh, Tour Alberta, cycling, President CEO from 2012 to 2017. So check, there's another area. Great Cup Committee in Edmonton in 2018. Did a great job with that. And then the league takes you on in this position, which uh, was the Chief Great Cup and Events Officer. How has that gone for you? That, it, just, it, it just seems like that whole thing keeps building and building. And you also have Touchdown Atlantic coming up, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, the, speaking about the Grey Cup role with the CFL, it's, it was really, you know, Randy's vision, Randy Ambrosi's vision is, is some, you know, the, the, the Grey Cup over time has been really host driven, right? So if you look in Edmonton, you guys are very familiar with Edmonton. The, the, the deal would be uh, the host club being the Edmonton, then the Eskimos, now the Elks would, would buy the rights off the league, go run the event. But the next year, the next club might buy the rights off. And, and there maybe wasn't that transfer of knowledge, that continuity, that constant brand build, the constant, um, drive for excellence because it was a basically a start and a stop business. So he said, Dwayne, why don't you come on board with us and let's create continuity here, work very closely with our host clubs and let's take Grey Cup to the next level. And it was really, you got to give a lot of credit to Randy for the vision. And um, so far it's, it's working really, really, really well. And, and we, the, the economic model of Grey Cup has changed as well, where, 2018, the Grey Cup that was hosted in Edmonton was the first year that used to, the host clubs used to generate all the net profit, and um, and now it's a, it's a revenue share piece. So the host club gets a big a big percentage of the revenue or the net profit, but then the remainder goes and gets shared with all the rest of the clubs on an annual basis. So every club is buying in. Every club wants Grey Cup to do well, and just that camaraderie of taking this the crown jewel of the league to the next level has been very successful now Dwayne, this is a bit of an odd question in that you are transitioning from sort of league-wide uh thoughts and responsibilities with what you're doing now uh, to the bc lions down the road um i want to look at that bigger picture i was a kid who sat in empire stadium watching the bc lions uh before there was a BC place, how, and I know you can't speak to specifics about the Lions now, 
great crowd to start the year. Not so great around the league, uh, you know, the second week in. What's the way forward for this league? Because it seems to me the league as a whole is kind of feeling its way along right now to see where it fits and how it grabs those fans back and gets them into the ballparks. Yeah, that's a good question, Robin. Uh, You know, what I'll say is that I feel incredibly excited about where we are today. And, and, and why, and why that is, is, you know, we lost the season in 2020 mm-hmm. and then we last year, 2021, if you just look back to the bit of the last couple of years, we had a shortened season yeah. and then, and then we came into last fall, last Labor Day. And people forget this. We didn't even know in Hamilton in the fall going into November Grey Cup, if we were even allowed fans. Yeah. And so we were planning this event going like, how do you put a great cup on without fans? And, and so the restrictions started to lift and then we were in a hurry up offense, if you will, to get everything up and running. And then we didn't know if we could have any parties around great cup because the indoor venues still had restrictions. And, and so last year, even though we, we played the season was still challenged. We were day to day. We didn't know where COVID was taking us. And not that we're saying we're out of COVID now. We all know COVID's still here and we're still managing it. But we have, coming now into 2022, we have a full season. We have a new CBA. We have, um, uh, we know we, we, our restrictions are, are we, we're allowed full attendance. We're, everything to me is we're out of where we were. We're managing forward and, we're, and, and it, it feels normal again. So now that we're back to that foundation that it feels normal again, now we need to get to work and build and get our fan bases back to where, where they were and beyond. Correct me if I'm wrong, and we've known each other for such a long time, you will. But in 2018 at the Grey Cup, an amazing thing happened. It turned from a Grey Cup into a family Grey Cup. And I just think that was a real explosion and a real brainwave. And that was getting families to take on what is really still Canada's celebration, not just the CFLs. But can you do that with the BC Lions? Make sure that it's a complete family event. I know that's one of the things you'll probably want to work on. Yeah, you know, and, and this is, you know, I, I shared with you, Amar Doman, and a tremendous, tremendous new owner of the BC Lions. He, that's one of his key mandates. He wants every single kid. He doesn't even, you know, obviously wants to know who the BC Lions are, but he wants people in recognizing orange, making sure that they know who the club is, like just really grassroots family supporting all foot. Football's huge in in BC. I didn't realize how big it was there. And there's lots of people playing football and just getting to that fan base, getting to those football players is important. And then, and then that family atmosphere. And it's, it's not necessarily all family, you know, like, uh, you know, going younger in, 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 not younger, but making sure that everybody wants to come to the game and there's something for everybody there. And it is, it is, it is an important piece moving forward. And, in Vancouver, you've got a great base of high school football. Um, you got some of the uh, uh, Catholic schools where there's some BC Lions history there with the likes of Lou Pasalia and, and uh, 
I just pulled a Halsey on that you pronunciation. Did. And you're correct, I? by the way. I used to call him Pasaglia, but uh, he was three years ahead of me when I was at St. Thomas More. Um, you've got Simon Fraser University. You got the UBC Thunderbirds out there. It is a it is a football breeding ground. You tap into that, you're you're starting off with a really good thing going, aren't you? Absolutely, and I like again. I said this it, when I think Amart officially took over the team last summer, and that's he dove into that right away. He's just he 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 instantly realized how important that was, and you know he he he's quite an amazing gentleman. But his you know there's different ownership groups in the CFL. There's there's community teams which in Edmonton you know very well. You know Edmonton, Calgary, sorry Edmonton. Uh, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are community. Then there's some individual owned teams and then there's some corporate owned teams. Um, Amar wants to, to, he's an individual owner. He wants, but he wants to run it like a community team would run it. And, and really do just embrace the community and, and make, you know, he's, he's, he's stated, he just wants to make sure that it's team community first before all, before everything else. There's also been this surge, this positivity. Well, we've seen it in Edmonton with Victor Cui, who's understood that this mobile device thing that I'm holding in my hands, you want to get to a younger demo, that's how you got to do it. It's got to be a big get challenge. To all of us. Get, yeah, get absolutely. To all of us. You're, you're yeah, absolutely yeah. right. But that's got to be yeah. part of the fun is recognizing that things have changed. It used to be just TV and radio, but now, and newsprint, obviously, but now you've got to get, you got to, get to the younger generation through this thing, right? Absolutely. And, and, but like I just said, it's getting to all of us, you know, we all, we all capture our, 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 our news and our content through our phones. So we need to embrace that. And, um, and, and, and I think everybody is, you know, it's just life is different and, and it from, from the old days and, uh, and we're embracing it and it's great. And, 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 you know, you can, the instant, just, just having instant content is tremendous, obviously. And there was, I mean, it started off as a comment. I can't remember who made it, but we were talking about the CFL can't just rely on a bunch of 60-year-old white guys. uh, Yeah. And all of us 60-year-old white guys took issue with that because we kind of like the league, but you can't be limited to that. And that's the challenge now in a lot of areas, Dwayne, whether it's the communication and we're talking about the smartphone that everybody carries, uh, you got to be true to your roots, but you also have to expand that fan base if there's going to be any room for growth. So how do you, how do you do that in a, in a timely yet uh, a fashion that, you get people coming back through the turnstiles because that's the challenge. It's still a gate driven league. Absolutely. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that again, I'll, I'll talk back about sort of Amar's uh, Doman strategy here, which is um, we talked about the grassroots piece and, and, and yep. really in the community. That's, that's one pillar, but another pillar is um, in football, you have the great ability in football to focus and make all home games an event. And, and if you can make an event and, and, and create an environment that isn't always just about the football game, like football's number one, don't get me wrong. If, you know, that is the number one thing that is our product. But if you can drive other audiences 
through other means, i.e., you know, the One Republic concert that that happened mm-hmm. at the home opener and the, the street party. The vibe there, I wasn't there. It was killing me not to be there. But the vibe that I saw on social and the vibe that I saw on on the broadcast was it felt like a great cup. And, and you know, if, if you create those that atmosphere for all the games, that's going to drive your audiences. And yeah. then your fans just the way you talked about, they're going to help you drive your audience because everybody's sharing their experiences. Everyone's talking about where they are. And and so that's really sort of the strategy moving forward is grassroots event-based marketing that's, that you want, you do not want to miss that event because you might not, you, you just want to make sure you be there. And that's sort of what we're going to work towards. And here's the thing, Dwayne, and this is very different from when we were growing up, uh, all three of us, especially Bryn and I, but you, you as well. If you can get it right, uh, the game experience, the the whole production on the game day, you're on to something because communication now isn't, well, a long-distance phone call or a letter to your Uncle Bob. It's, I went to the BC Lions game, and it was effing great. I had a great time. It's right now. Of course, if you get it wrong and somebody says this was really lame, that's the that's the other edge of that sword. But if you can if you can hit it, you can really grow quickly now, can't you? Yeah, I I, I believe so. But you know, you don't. You know, you, it, nothing's quick, and and there's uh, you know you have to make those. Every day you've got to make those little decisions that get you there and 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 grow to the to the future. And I truly believe that that there's no quick fix. It's just doing all the right things every single day and and, and grow your business every single day. And there's a point where momentum then takes over. And and we just need to get it to that momentum piece and, and start start to steamroll. You know, when you're selling tickets for a, an event, like for Touchdown Atlantic as an example, we sold out in an hour. Yeah. Momentum momentum took over. You know, all of a sudden people were feeling like I have to get this ticket. Like I won't get this ticket. And and that momentum is that piece that you really, really, really guys yeah. like me want to focus on is momentum. Hey, can we talk about that for a second? Because everybody out here would love to see a team in Halifax or in New Brunswick or whatever. Through your experiences with Touchdown Atlantic, tell us how you feel about that region. And, and is it even a possibility or is it just a pipe dream that everybody out here West would like to see happen? I think everybody would like to see it happen. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about a future team, Yeah. but, but I, but I, what I will say is touchdown Atlantic and we've been very public about this is that it is, we do touchdown Atlantic. It, it helps us create a real coast to coast league. So, you know, currently and, and someday if a team comes there, great. But right now, this is our opportunity to do that. And, you know, I just mentioned that we sold this game out in an hour. To me, that tells me that people 
are supportive of what we're trying to do and excited about us coming and um uh and and really just supporting the region we're we're we've had a couple of games as you know over time in moncton um this year well in 2020 before the pandemic we were going to be um in saint mary's in halifax they went through some construction and we weren't able to go back to saint mary's so that's why we were going to we looked at acadia but acadia is a beautiful place People, if the people don't know where Acadia is, they they don't necessarily know where Wolfville is if you're from Western Canada. But everyone's heard of the Bay of Fundy, and it's really right at the Bay of Fundy. And so we have some pictures. It's going to be tremendous. This stadium holds 900 people. We <laughs> we're building it up to 10,000 plus. <laughs> it's sold out in an hour. We're basically building it's we're basically building it from scratch and it's going to be it's just going to be a tremendous, tremendous event. And um, we're really looking forward to it. A fun little fact is Wolfville. If you don't know if you've ever been there, have you guys been there? You know, I've never I've never gone to the Maritimes and it's on my hit list, but it's almost cheaper to fly to London, England than it is to fly out to Halifax out of Edmonton, which is really criminal in a lot of ways. But I'd love to get out there. Well, I'll come back to that point, but um, it's 4,000 people. The city of Wolfville is 4,000 people. This game is over 10. So if you, if you put that into perspective, it starts to create what is going to be the atmosphere for this Touchdown Atlantic game. So so tune in. Brent, if you're not getting there, make sure you're watching oh, yeah. it on July the 6th. Yeah. yeah. It's got a rider feel about it already, does it not? <laughs> when you're talking about a well, smaller you know, community, yeah. but the whole, whole region is going to get on board here. Absolutely. There's, there's fans there. People bought tickets from all over the region that are coming to the, to, to the game. Um, uh, there's a high, there's a lot of fans that bought tickets from, from Regina and Saskatchewan. There's lots of fans that bought tickets from Toronto. So I think you're going to have a pretty good healthy mix between visitors and local, and it's going to have a really, really good vibe to it. We're also, we always dub it as a bit of a mini Grey Cup as well. So in Halifax, in the lead up to the game on Saturday, we, we're having a, a bit of a sort of a mini Grey Cup festival, if you will, in downtown Halifax on the Thursday, Friday sat and Saturday. And um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be great. And everybody in in the east coast is just looking forward and excited for us to come plus it's their busiest weekend of the year they have like jazz festival and a pride event and just it we're just trying to be a part of the community and, and support them as much as we can outstanding going a, a couple of final things for me uh first uh i always thought that you you did a tremendous job here uh with the rush being a west coast guy and a, a guy who actually played like played lacrosse for many years uh I, I thought you guys did a hell of a job when you're out in the lower mainland you know this already uh the western lacrosse association is out there and there's a lot of good lacrosse being played um in your neighborhood whether it's coquitlam or vancouver or new westminster wherever the other thing is this and there's a lot of buzz lately and i know it's early and you're not on the 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 field and on the team personnel side the buzz over this nathan rourke has got to be exciting um to have a canadian quarterback come in any quarterback but especially a canadian it's early but do what he's done and create a buzz that's just a big plus for everybody with the organization going forward isn't it 
Absolutely. You know, um, I, I saw someone on the weekend say that, you know, everyone in the first week was, you know, the buzz was how well a Canadian quarterback did. And yeah. this weekend, I, I think it's time to drop the Canadian part. Like the, the kid is great and yeah. he's a, a great quarterback and he's playing well, but to your point, he, um, you know, being a local to, to the Vancouver area is just tremendous. And so having, having Nathan, having the success and the entire team, having the success they're having out of the gate and, and having um, Nathan, the Canadian quarterback, which we're going to just make him a great quarterback. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I gave, I gave the air quotes there yes. and, um, and uh, is exciting. And, you know, he, I, I, you know, you can just feel his star power is, is growing quickly and um, he'll, he'll be very, um, you know, it's just perfect. It's just perfect timing for the BC Lions. Almost 20 years in this biz. What have you learned over the last 20 years or so that you're going to be able to apply to the BC Lions here as you step in in August? You know, number one focus for me is I, um, you know, I, I, I'm a builder. You know, you guys have known I've, I, I like to build things. I built the Edmonton Rush from scratch. I like to dive into things like Grey Cups and build them from scratch. And and so I, I, I just, I like to build. Uh, it's a, something that is very attractive to me. So through all my uh, um, experiences, uh, I, I, there's the different ways to, to build. And, and the number one thing for me is let's get these audiences, let's get these fan bases in BC place up to those numbers where, where they were. And there's, I asked people all the last week and on the weekend, you know, what era was, you know, the 35,000 people going to games, what era was the 40,000 plus people and just trying to understand um, the timing of it all. And because in that stadium, once it gets to, you know, that 40,000, I know from Commonwealth, once you hit 40, that's almost like it just, it, it is the vibe. It is a yeah. strong, strong, strong vibe in there. So that's our goal and build fan base and, and make everyone proud of the team and, and, uh, and uh, you know, make it really exciting through the, the, the event, the event piece as well. You have some interesting yeah. competition in town that are also very supportive. You have the Canucks, you have the Whitecaps. I, I even would say the Seattle Seahawks are a little bit of competition. And also there, there's gotta be some, so there's got to be some synergies between all these teams to make it all work for all these teams, does there not? Yeah, I, you know, obviously, I'm. It's too early for me to answer that question, Bryn. I, I, uh, I just don't. I, I would agree with your comment, but I, I just from an, I, I look at that as a bit of an outsider looking. Yeah. At it. There's really no the answer to that, but of course. But you know, you talk about competition. There's competition today in everything we do. Right. You know, in more than ever before. So to me, it's about not worrying about competition it's making your event the one that everybody wants to go to yeah i you know what having that happen again when i was still in j school i would be on the sidelines with my little camera when bc place first opened when mervin fernandez was catching footballs for the the bc lions and jerry taggy was the quarterback and joe pow pow um and they need they needed that upper deck. That's what I would love to see for Vancouver, where you need that upper deck open. You open that upper deck because you need it. You're on your way. Absolutely, and, and that let's not let's be very real here. That's that is a goal. 
that is where we want to be, and we're going to do everything in our power to get there. I would say the same thing to Victor Kui. We've got to get nicknames back into. We need another throwing Samoan. We need more crazy names like uh, you know, a Dirty Thirty. Hey, listen, thanks for your time. Uh, good luck with the transition. We know you're going to knock it out of the ballpark. It'll be a lot of fun for you. But thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Bryn Robin. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dwayne. Well, we're slowly moving into the summer months, and like any good teammate, the realtors over at the Macintosh Group will assist you in selling your home. Now, here's the goal. To sell your home for the most amount of money in the least amount of time with little to no stress. Wayne Gretzky was no stranger to breaking and setting records. Well, the Edmonton single-family real estate market breaking records to kick things off here in 2022 slows down a little bit as we get into the summer, but that's no big deal. But it does tell you one thing. It's so important to hire a professional with the skills to work in the ever-changing market that we're living in. Now, if you're looking for a Hall of Fame experience when selling your home, then give Brent or anybody at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City a call at 780-464-0075. Or you can find them online at mackintoshgroup.ca. Both buyers and sellers, give them a shout. They'll be able to tell you exactly how the market is going. And one last thing, when you give them a shout, make sure you tell them the outsider sent you. Wow, that was, uh, that was a fun show today. I really enjoyed it. Great to have uh, Darren Millard on and also to be chatting with Dwayne Vigneault, who is uh, going to have a real uh, job in front of him, and he's got, he'll be up to the task with the BC Lions, so that was a blast. Hey, your thoughts on the Stanley Cup final, Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning? It looked like it was going to be a romp through the first two games, and then you get a big, big effort out of the defending champs who were great defending champs at a challenging time, Robin. Yeah, you know what? I... I- it didn't surprise me. I mean, I'll be honest. I I thought the Lightning would beat the odds uh, before the series started and and make it three in a row. They're a hell of a team, and you learn how to win. But I tell you what, that Colorado team is something special, and they've been waiting their turn. This is not a team that just got good five minutes ago. They've been a very good team and building towards something for two or three years now, at yeah. least, even through some tough times with COVID. Uh, good for them, man. They're so talented. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, what a player. Uh, Kale McCarr, uh, as we discussed. I mean, you go from – and you know what? He's still got the rosy cheeks. He's, he looks like he's 15 years old, for crying out loud. Uh, what a player. What what a team. I thought it was an excellent Stanley Cup final, uh, you know, we talk about how you lose interest when a team you're from your city or your region's not in it. Uh, that's probably true to an extent, but that was a hell of a Stanley Cup final. I thought it was great. Gabriel Landeskog waited 10 years, not three years, not five yeah. years, 10 years for that moment. Yeah. And it was very special for him. So congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Jay Woodcroft signs a contract extension with the Edmonton Oilers. Duh. I, I don't have any problem with that one at all. I just thought he did a remarkable job coming in and, and taking over, obviously. Yep. But uh, any thoughts on on Jay? Yeah, I wrote him about I wrote about him the other day at, at Oilers Nation. He just is one of the one of the coaches who uh, has the knack, uh, and it doesn't come by accident. He's worked on how to communicate with players, how to set out what he wants, what he expects, the way he wants the game to be played and he's got a connection with his players. They like to play for Jay Woodcroft and 
you know what? You can talk about the old days when it was about respect and, you know, you didn't have to be pals with the coach. I tell you what, and that's true. There's coaches throughout the years who won without that palsy-walsy angle to their relationship. It doesn't hurt if the players not only think you know what you're doing, but they like you. And I think this group wants to play for Jay Woodcroft, and I think that showed. We'll obviously talk about the Edmonton Elks, the Calgary Stampeders, and the BC Lions more because now we're moving into the football season. But uh, that's pretty much it for today. That was, as I said, that was a fun show. Hey, make sure you check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple. It's at Outsiders2020. And you can also drop us an email at theoutsiders at shaw.ca. Make sure you tell your friends to follow us and click on the RSS feed on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, et cetera, et cetera. And we're also on YouTube. There's an audio version on YouTube as well. Robin records... From the Lucky Sam studio in southwest Edmonton, I'm recording from the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton, and your support and your feedback is greatly appreciated. Robin, anything else? Did we miss anything? We've covered a lot. Yeah, no, I think I'm good. That was a hell of a show. I'm, I'm happy with it. All right, great. Well, thanks, Robin, and everybody, we'll talk to you next week. Storm in the castle. Road 55.